Welcome to the Boy Beats World Podcast. Today I've assembled a crew of the NBA bartenders, Jordan Coots and Caleb Clearman, for a special Valentine's Day episode of the podcast. In this one, Jordan, Caleb, and I will hand out a dozen roses for a dozen different categories for our favorite trade, rookie, draft prospect, non-playoff team, playoff team, all-star player, non-all-star player, storyline, moment, front office, conspiracy theory, and statistic of this NBA season. It was a lot, uh, but it was a lot of good stuff. Uh, Snow messed up our plan, so Jordan handed out the first half dozen, and then Caleb handed the next six out. Uh, As always, be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. Enjoy! All right, I'm here with... uh, with just one half of the bartenders, this will be this will be an interesting one. Uh, I got just Jordan Coots on the line here. We'll talk to Caleb Clearman tomorrow. J-Man, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, good, good. I realized I called you J-Man uh, subliminally, and that's what my dad calls you, and I've never heard anyone oh, else yeah. call you that. No, he's the only person, but it's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so sorry, or, or I, I don't know. You're welcome for that one, too. <laughs> Um, cool. So we're going to do some, some NBA talk, uh, and you know, it's, it's Valentine's season and, and, uh, we, we love the NBA as we've made that perfectly clear from spending three hours every, you know, every, uh, fall talking about each team to a, to an alcoholic beverage. So, uh, my question for you is, do you love this particular NBA season? Cause it's a weird one. It is weird. Um, you know, I don't know if I love it, to be honest. There are aspects of it that I do really like. Um, I think there's a little more parity, maybe. Yeah. At least out west, it was nice to have Denver kind of being more or less a surprise team, taking over the number one spot for a good... <laughs> as long know, as they could, yeah. As long as they could, yeah. And, you know, they're, they're still a good team, so that's fun. Um, but ah, it just it feels... It feels uh, like we're heading the same direction in terms of NBA champion and just a lot of the teams up top are the same. So yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm with you. And I, I feel like there's kind of two parts of this or three parts. There's the warriors, like they're their own thing. Um, right. And then there's the parody that you kind of alluded to, which I think like the playoffs are going to be better, like as a whole, like rounds one, two and three and the finals are all going to be better. Right. Um, I don't really feel any any differently about how the outcome of, of the season is going to go yeah. come mid-June. And then there's the also part of, like, this is a very dramatic NBA season. Like, the, I just feel like every little thing just causes huge whip, uh, ripple effects on, on everything. Like, the Anthony Davis thing was just absolutely absurd. The Kyrie stuff right. is absurd. Like, there's just a lot of non-basketball stuff that's uh, that's interesting but kind of infuriating at the same time. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. And like every every you know right around this time every year, All Star break time, there's that trade deadline, which is of course huge. And then everyone kind of looks forward to the free agency period the summer after. Mm-hmm. And everyone makes such a big deal about like, oh, it's gonna be crazy this summer. Like this summer is crazier than no other. Like it's the same thing every year. And it's there February. Huge players. Like, yeah, we have, we have tons yeah. of time. Exactly. Yeah. Like we, we have no idea what's going to happen in this time. So yeah, it, it does feel similar to previous seasons in that aspect. Yeah. I just don't like 
that everything is very distant and the fact that like we even have to worry and there's like oh what are the bucks doing now to make sure yeah. that Giannis doesn't leave in two and a half years like it's just right i don't know it's it's very uh i don't know it's 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 almost too big picture all the time right um, yeah just play the game yeah exactly like the the, the orange ball is still the thing that matters <laughs> um, so yeah that's it's kind of a weird season but i do i do like the amount of really good teams that there are this year because i feel like Definitely. there's there's more tier two teams than there were uh, a year ago where it was basically just, for sure uh gold state in houston Sure. And I, I, I still think like the, the teams at the top, at least of course in the East, they've gotten better. So yeah. They're, oh, they're, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They got better this off season and then even just a week ago. Uh, but we'll right. get into a lot of that stuff and, and kind of the format for this one. I remember I, it was last year when we were in uh, New Orleans together and you and I were talking about how uh, the podcast just works so much better. And it's always a good time when we have a little bit of structure, a little bit of a weird format. Right. Um, we've obviously done NBA bartenders last year. We did the non all-star draft, which I thought was, was, was pretty fun. Uh, this year, as mentioned, it's Valentine's season. So we are going to hand out some roses. And so we've come up with a dozen topics between Jordan and Caleb, who you hear from tomorrow, uh, actually today, cause it'll all be on the same podcast. I will hear from tomorrow, um, a dozen roses about different NBA things. So s- six different things today, six things with Caleb. Uh, we're going to start off the rose that you're handing out to Jordan for the, yeah, your favorite NBA front office. Yeah. Um, yeah, the front office, I think there were a couple easy picks. Like there are some blatant, obvious ones. San Antonio is always there The Bulls. Just with what they're able to do. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, Golden State, of course, they've done so well as well as Boston. Um, and then Dallas, just the moves that they made to seemingly turn their franchise around overnight. Um, but I'm going to go with the Bucks, And we kind of talked about the things they're doing to maybe keep uh, Giannis uh, staying there long term. But just in the last year, they've mm-hmm. turned an insane corner. Of course, they they got the right guy as head coach. Uh, Budenholzer seems like the man for that job and then like the spacing that they're able to to have around the floor with uh, Giannis kind of being that obviously that focal point um, but they got shooters at every position and uh, the most recent moves of of the moves that were made in the in the um, by the trade deadline like I like that I like the moves that they made the best mm-hmm getting another shooter with Nico and then a guy who can go in and rebound and um, yeah I think he's gonna help them a lot um yeah so yeah that was uh that was that was my pick so this one will be this will be an easy one i also chose the bucks i think as as annoying as it was and i mentioned the 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 Giannis 2021 stuff um that that that's you know this impending thing and it's like davis is this this year uh you know milwaukee has to be worried about that down the road even if that's true and it might be i think that they have done a much better job than new orleans has done uh around anthony davis to make sure that that isn't as much of a problem you can't change the fact that you're in Milwaukee. You can't change the fact that you're in New Orleans. But I feel like uh, the, the Bucks have done a, a really good job of going out and getting, A, a competent coach, right? Because Budenholzer has been right. amazing. Even just by doing exactly what everyone thought he should do or any Bucks coach should do when you watch them in the playoffs last year, just space it out. But then, you know, just doing whatever you can to create the nice infrastructure for them now. You get George Hill pretty cheap. I mean, it'll cost him a first rounder. You get, yeah. you, you flip Thonmaker, who is basically a malcontent in terms of doesn't want to play for you. Wants, wants a new role. 
and you flipped right. Don Maker for Stanley Johnson, you're like, hmm, nice little piece. And like, no, 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 we, yeah. we have a plan for Stan. We're going to go turn him <laughs> into Miritich, which uh, I thought was great. And I, it's, you're going to think yeah. I'm nuts here. I thought it was great in the same way that when the Rockets got Chris Paul, it was this, it was this mindset of they're not going to play together all the time for like 25 minutes a game that they'll play together. But when they're not playing together, you have a Hall of Fame point guard. Now, Nico Miritich and Brooke Lopez are not <laughs> Hall of Fame anything. But the yeah. idea the idea is there that you have a stretch five uh, on the floor with Giannis at all times. Uh, because right. that is such a key piece of what they've been able to do this year um, in, in really spacing things out and having a guy who can just get that shot <clears throat> at the top of the arc. So, yeah. I uh, I completely agree. They've they've done a really nice job of, of creating something that um, is win now, but also set up real well in the future. Yeah, definitely. If you had to get a give a second rose to who is who is your next team? That's a good question. There's there's a yeah. lot. There's a lot of really. I feel like it's more. It's harder to. It's easier to say that the teams that aren't doing well uh, than it is the teams that are. Like I feel like there's a lot of shrewd moves getting made uh, across the NBA. Yeah. I think Dallas yeah. is up there just based off of the, the Kristaps thing, of but I think that's more of a one-off trade thing than anything else. I think the Clippers right. would be my other one. Uh, okay. I just think that everything they're doing is very calculated, but also they're not tanking. Like they're, they're doing all these future things, but also creating a really competitive, fun team. Right, yeah. No, I like that a lot. Um. Staying on the Bucks, what do you think of DJ Wilson? Um, you know, honestly, coming into this year, I was like, I I didn't really like him as as a uh, as a as a pick as their draft pick. I I didn't really see the player that they thought maybe he could be. Mm-hmm. Like watching him at, at Michigan, I just didn't I just didn't see it. I thought he was just kind of like an energy guy. Yeah. Um, but not a ton of skill to him. But he's He's been really nice for them. He's fun. Um, yeah, he is fun. He's he's obviously like an energy kind of guy, but he has way more skill than I thought. Um, mm. And they've, they've, of course, developed him really nicely. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's the other piece with Milwaukee is that they, they were really patient with him. Um, and most teams that are kind of in that mold, they get a first-round pick and they need them to play right away. Uh, but right. With, with him and DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo a little banged up, uh, but they uh, they don't even need them. They're they're very just kind of coddling with them, uh, right. getting, getting them ready to go. So yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a good situation in Milwaukee. Um, although their their summer is going to be fun, deciding between Bledsoe, Brockton, and Middleton, Aaron Miritich, if they want to bring those guys back, and Lopez. All of them are free agents. So right, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I it it does seem like uh, I I was listening to Middleton talk and how you know, it seems like they've built a culture where the guys who they have now are like, they like it so much that they want to stay. Yeah. And they don't, they don't really care about it being Milwaukee and not the biggest market and maybe not the most glorified city, but guys who, who just really enjoy the, the team they're on. And who did Giannis pick first in the also draft? Oh God, who was it? It was Middleton first guy. Wait, in, oh, in, t- in terms of the backups. Yeah. 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 Yep on the reserves right. so, so yeah super cool yep. yeah very cool very cool a guy that that uh at least for now is is very bought in and Giannis and uh that gets us to our second rose which in this one is uh your uh your favorite all-star player this season favorite all-star player uh this season um if if it were almost any other season like I just love Kawhi 
he's just my kind of player. Mm-hmm. But I think for this year, being it in Charlotte and Kemba having the year that he's having, I'm gonna go with Kemba. Wow. Um, I just think I just think that's super cool. I've always liked his game. And this year it seems like he's just put the team on their back on his yeah. back. And um I've kind of compared stats with like from him with the other point guards, great point guards around the league. And there's a few guys who seem underrated, like Damian Lillard's always in that conversation and kind of comparing his stats to the Dames and being like, God, Kemba has such similar stats and a better defender, at least in my mind. And I don't know. I think he's an underrated guy. I think it's going to be really cool for him to start. So I think that's gonna be I think that's gonna be a fun one for for Kemba. That's a good one. Yeah, I uh, I I went Giannis here. I, I okay. Just, watching him this year <laughs> has been uh, it just he, he is he is so gifted in every way, and yeah. just see, seeing it used properly is is really fun. Uh, yeah. Doris Burke uh, was on one of their games and said really well about about Giannis that nine guys are playing basketball and then Giannis is playing a different sport. And it, it really feels that way. Like, like he is doing things and getting to places and getting his shots uh, just in ways that nobody else can do um, and doing it very efficiently. Whereas I feel like last year was all, or his few, first few in the years was what years in the league was kind of like a sledgehammer. It's very like selective. Like he picks his spots a lot more. Um, yeah. And then it, where would you think Giannis ranks in minutes per game in the NBA? Like top, I hope this top is what? Top fifteen for sure. <laughs> top thirty-eight. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So yeah, he's got thirty-three minutes a game, thirty-eighth in in the league in minutes per game. Um, he's played really in almost surprising. every game, but but yeah, he they're using him just so so efficiently and then just lapping teams. Um, yeah. So here's another fun stat guess thing here. Uh, uh-huh. Giannis has 10.8 field goal attempts in the game in per game, just in the restricted area alone, which is a very small okay. uh, area of the court. Most right. since who, in what year? Oh my god! Oh, most since Shaq in 06. <laughs> Shaq in 1998. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that's like there. peak. Peak, like physically talented Shaq was yeah. getting ten point nine, so almost eleven right. field goals, field goals per game, just in restricted area. Uh, yeah, and they don't even he doesn't even play center. Like no. he, he plays, he brings the ball like up the court. Board by, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's there's just points that he got. I remember when we saw each other for Christmas. There's just points in games when you you see him get to a spot and you know he's going to dunk that because he's within yeah. he's within bounds of the guy that is guarding him has no chance and it's exactly he's just a force of nature and and right like uh, you know Harden's having a great year whatever but Giannis is bending people to his will it's it's just yeah. it's nuts yeah it's they nuts. they talk about you know in football like Calvin Johnson's catch radius was you know like the size of a semi truck by when he was standing still or whatever mm-hmm. and Giannis's dunk radius God. is like that like it's insane yeah. He can dunk from if he gets a foot inside the three point line, on on with with a head of steam. You think he can dunk it yeah. every time? Dunk yeah. it or get around someone just to to get a layup. Like like the right. other night in the Celtics uh, Lakers game, the way Ingram 
kind of like scooped himself around the basket because he's so long. Like Giannis just does yeah. that all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the fact that he, you know, the, the shooting hasn't even really, you know, everyone was like Giannis has to take the next step by becoming a shooter, and he's right. willing. Like he'll take the open shot, but he's just he's just doesn't even have to. He's he's really expanded his game just by yeah. doubling down on what he's really good at. Right. Uh, yeah. So, he's yeah. he's just really smart about his like he he plays to his strengths for sure. Like, yeah. He. I saw when he had that, he went like 17 for 21 a week mm-hmm. or two ago. And he had, I don't know, 40 something. And uh, he, I mean, he went three for three from three. And yeah. I think all those shots, the defender probably wasn't within eight feet of him. But mm-hmm. that's just smart. Like, he and, knows he knows what to do. And, you know, granted, Giannis has been in the league five, six years. And, you know, yeah. this is Ben Simmons' second year. But compare those two players just in terms of how they're approaching that. Um, both guys know that eventually you've got to be able to take that shot and at least, you know, make someone run at you. Right. And Giannis seems willing to, to, you know, broach the idea of I've got to shoot that. Whereas Ben Simmons isn't quite there. It's starting to get, you seen, saw one the other night, but you know, I, I just think it's, it's a, it's a good sign that he's at least taking that shot because you know, that yeah. means he, he knows that this is something that's going to have to be a part of this game. Agreed. For sure. All right, you're handing out a rose to a non-playoff team, and the, I think a key caveat in this is: uh, do the Lakers count in in this? Because uh, I think <laughs> I think they'll be there eventually, but currently tenth in the West. Uh, I kind of took them out of it. I okay. kind of took a couple of the teams who I thought were more or less in contention out, I- at least in the West, out okay. of it. So I didn't even consider like the Clippers are in ninth right now. I didn't I didn't consider them or the Lakers. Sure. I did consider Dallas, and that was that was my pick. Ah. Um. Just I mean it's it's a uh, pretty easy to go with Luca moving forward. Um. And then I just love the the Dirk. Hopefully, I mean we'll we'll see if he sticks around. But at least for the rest of this year. Him having Kristaps, and I know Kristaps isn't doing much. Um, I mean, full full force workouts and whatnot, uh, five on five type stuff. But at least having that mentorship with Dirk is super cool. Um, of course, they got a great coach there. And but I mean, Luca going forward, I think for any non playoff team, that's that's enough. Mm-hmm. That was yeah, uh, so that's cool. that was my pick. Uh, okay, so we doubled up on that. Yeah, I uh, I have it. Just that whole Trey Young, Luca thing is just not. It's yeah. not going to look good. <laughs> the, right. Like Trey Young is is fun and interesting, and uh, he you know, could be really good too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I root for him. I want Trey Young to to be a twenty four and twelve guy, and I think it's conceivable he gets there. He's having a rough year shooting wise. Um, he might be an all star one day, but Luka Doncic is going to be an MVP candidate for fifteen straight yeah. years. Uh, wow. Like as as soon as next year, like he's he's twenty yeah. years old doing this already, uh, yeah. just hitting shots where it looks like they're like skipping parts of the tape. Like how did he get from po- that spot on the floor to that spot without even being that athletic? He's just <laughs> so good with his feet. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean this is this is nuts, and I don't even like their roster that much outside of Luca and Porzingis. But no. I like <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. But they just have a ton of money and they have the best starting point uh basically in basketball at this point right they just yeah, have to change no, the, I, change the uniforms and spend spend right this summer and i think they'll be all right <laughs> yeah no completely I, I like how you mentioned the rest of that roster because to me 
like nearly all of it, 90% of it is just completely trash. disposable. It's trash. Yeah. 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 yeah like Dwight Powell, so, maybe as like your yeah, I mean, you could second big. I'm sure Maxi yeah. Cleaver, like do whatever. But um, yeah, as far, as far as I'm concerned, you got, you got Luca, you're in a good spot. Let me ask you this because the, the Porzingis price tag ended up being pretty low and it feels like at least in New York and just not from everybody, because certainly some people were like, how the hell did they make that happen? A lot of people are, are forgetting how good he was before he got hurt last year. Is there anything from what you know about the, the ACL tear there that that was particularly worrisome that would cause you to think that he couldn't get back to that level other than maybe his size? Um, you know, I didn't hear specifics about the tear itself. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, he it seemed like a complete rupture. And he had obviously the surgery for it. Yeah. Just I think what you worry about with him more than others is he's so big and lanky. Sure. That there's it just, like his lever arms are to me his lever arms are just so big that there's more of a risk for recurrent injury. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's I don't have any science to back that up, but he needs to build a lot of strength. And it seems like you know if if I were to look at the protocols matching up with where he's at from what I've seen, it would seem like he's on track for what a normal ACL rehab is like. Mm-hmm. Um, people go through it faster. You know, some people progress through it faster than others. Um, but I know there's nothing to me that really says uh, there's a huge medical concern with it. I would think he would be in time the same player that he was. And this, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who was playing out of his mind before the injury last year. Um, came back to earth a little bit before that injury actually happened. But yeah, I think yeah. that that they, within two years, got two franchise cornerstones, um, yeah. and then also have a t- ton of money. So yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 fun times ahead for 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 the Cubes and and for Dallas. Um, so I'm with you there. All right, uh, yeah. give a, give a rose to a rookie of your choosing. Rookie, uh, I mean, it's so p- easy to pick Luca, so I'm I'm avoid that one. Yeah. Um, there were there were some, you know, honestly, when I look back at this draft, the the guys at the top have performed really well. Yes, um, agreed. And then beyond that are kind of the players who I looked at. I love Wendell Carter, but I'm a little biased there, hmm. and he's hurt, so uh, I'm gonna stay away from that one. I picked I picked kind of more or less two players. I went with. Uh, Mikel Bridges and Miles Bridges. I kind of went with both of them, but like let's go it. with Mikel. Yeah. Um, he he's quietly been very consistent, and recently he's he's improved a lot. Uh, I didn't think he was going to be the type of defender from a steals blocks perspective that he has been. Like he's he routinely picks up multiple steals a game, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he's a really really good match for. Uh, I guess a guard forward combo for uh, uh, Booker moving forward there. And I just really like his game. Like he's, he's played a lot better than I anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good sign. Uh, what about, what about miles? Is it, is it just the, the ferocity with which he, he punches dunks or is there more to his game that you like? Uh, so far it's mainly just that, yeah. but he, I think, I think that's more or less his role right now in Charlotte. Like he's not getting a ton of minutes. Um, but when he's been on the court, he's definitely been productive as kind of like his, he's hit some threes and, you know, I think just the energy he gives, I think it's a really good sign for them. 
he can be a, a good player for them going forward. Yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah. he's one of those just will players. Like like it will happen for right. him because he he yep. will make it happen. Um, yeah, I I agreed with you that the top of the drafts has has all looked pretty good. Like, you know, for as much as Trey Young has has struggled shooting wise, like he's he's hanging in. Like he's not getting just completely run off the court. Um, oh yeah, and and then for the big men, we had Bagley, Aiton, Carter, and. Uh, Jaron Jackson, all of them are right. playing well. All of them, I think, will, will are going to be all stars down the road, um, and all very young. All of them under twenty years old. So those are all good. But the guy I picked was Landry Shamit. Uh, okay. Who I, I I liked this about John Collins last year in that John Collins coming out of Wake it was one of the big things. Okay, he can rebound, he can score inside, and then when he gets to the right. to the pros, immediately he can still rebound and score inside, and then the rest of the game comes from there. Landry Shamit, what could he do at Wichita? Shoot, like he he could he could <laughs> really fill it up. And once he gets to Philly, what can he do? He can fill it up. And he's he's shooting. If he, you've played him thirty six minutes, he's right up there in terms of threes made, um, up at the top of the league. And he already got to learn a little bit of the dark arts about shooting, running off screens, all that stuff from JJ Redick. Um, so I think he's set up to be a really nice piece for the Clippers going forward. Don't really know what his his like big upside is, other than just being you know kind of a Redick player. Uh, but you can do a lot worse than a second round pick that ends up being JJ Redick. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you there. And then on top of that, I, I thought he actually showed some good passing ability. Like when he was at Wichita State, I think he was able to play some uh, like a, a secondary ball handler type role, mm-hmm. and then you know even even some point. Um, from time to time so who knows maybe he develops a little, little bit more but obviously they liked him in philly and they just happened to make a trade that they felt they needed to yeah um, but yeah he's a really nice piece for the clippers yeah the starting point there with him even if he gets no better than what he is today is still a, a guy that can you know have a very long career just for the shooting ability um, exactly but yeah he's definitely had much bigger roles in the past as as the guy in wichita uh, so yeah it'll be interesting to see how the how the clippers kind of maneuver going forward and what he means to them um, is he, is he kind of like a transition piece? Like we'll, we'll cash him in on something later or is he, you know, foundational to what they want to build? Uh, but for how much money they have to spend, I would imagine that a guy that's as cheap as that who can hit shots, um, is going to be valuable to them if they do bring in your boy Kawhi, um, <laughs> or, uh, or cash in on some guys this summer, right. uh, to the draft we go, who, uh, okay. who's out there in college basketball or otherwise that is, uh, is deserving of your rose. Oh man. All right. This one, this one, I, I, I love. I got a thing for the draft. Um, my guy from since like last November has been John Morant. Like it's, mm. he's hands down my dude. I love Zion as much as as any other person. I said maybe maybe even more. I think he's gonna be a stud. But John Morant, I think is gonna be amazing too. Like Russell Westbrook like statistics, albeit maybe like. 30 pounds lighter but just the athleticism he was gifted with and able to do anything really on the basketball court he can pick up a guy um in the half court defensively he's able to knock down shots the three is probably his weakest area along with turnovers uh so already sounding like westbrook there but uh he's able to rebound from his position has a couple triple doubles to his name already and he can pass. He's a lights out passer. So what is what is your uh fear percentage that John Rant is Alfred Payton? Oh 
I think he's too gifted athletically. Like Peyton, Peyton's a good athlete, but I, I see a lot more from Rant. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can if I can put a like. It's really hard for me to put a floor on where he's at because these kind of guys are definitely risky. But maybe like a Rozier, if Rozier was pegged to be a, a starting player. Okay. Um. Yeah. Hard. Hard to say. Yeah. It's it's a weird one where I feel like in this draft you'd almost rather have Morant fall to you than. Like if you're fourth and you ha- and John Morant's there, you're like, okay, like I I I'm not gonna be the guy to to go out of my way to get him, but if he comes in my, yeah. into our our organization like that, then it, it's one thing. But yeah, going out on a limb for him is a little bit of a risk, just because I feel like that with point guards in general, I mean, it's gonna take him a little bit to get into the normal NBA offense type rhythm. But yeah, yeah he, the the stuff is there for sure. I mean, just just the right. Just the like, you know, we're talking about Frosty, the Miles Bridges stuff. Like, like he, that that kid will will do whatever he ends up wanting to do. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's exciting. And and so, do you think this is a one player draft, or would you like how far off from Zion is is Morant for you? Um, that's tough. To me, I don't think he's super far off. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think about drafting Morant first or second, though. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever peg him in the same conversation as Zion. Yeah. Um, but I guess I don't think he's he's that far off. Like, I would, I would love to have him at third or fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, de- team dependent. Yeah. Um, I don't. That that's really hard for me to tell. Of course, it's always somewhat of a crapshoot you never know exactly what you're getting and that's why the draft is what it is but um yeah i don't know i I love him as a prospect so you would be ecstatic if the bulls got him at four i would love that yeah yeah Yeah. he yeah he's he's gonna be fascinating once once it's just all uh, him you'll hear about him versus other players and things like that and that'll be that'll be when my ears will start to perk, perk up is how it how it looks how the you know missouri valley conference stuff looks outside of of that when he's up against the other competition but um yeah this i mean i the, the just the sheer what is that 90 inches of vertical between zion and in <laughs> between those two guys easily yeah 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 um so yeah we'll we'll see my mine is gonna be i'm gonna use this moment to talk about batiste Dybul because i nice. i'm gonna do that as I, much as i possibly I figured can you would yep. uh i'm curious what you think because my theory on this is Matisse Dybul will not, you know, as much as I wanted to make it a thing, uh, as we were talking drunkenly three years ago, that he was going to be a lottery pick one day. It's not going to happen. <laughs> However, yeah. I think that he will be end up creeping into maybe the the, the back of the first round, a high second round, um, because I just think that the instincts are there and the profile is starting to catch up a little bit, um, given the the recent success of of Washington. I just think that once you get him in a combine, those ears are going to perk up and you're going to look at him and then you're going to see him just the instincts defensively come in. And some team is going to say, we're not quite there yet on offense, maybe not even close. However, uh, we can play him right away in certain types of, of units because uh, the, the defensive gifts are there. But I'm curious to see what you, or hear what you think. No, I totally agree with that. I think the, the combine is a good point for him too because he's a player that I think could 
test really well. He's athletically gifted. He's long. Um, and I think teams are going to really like that. But if I have, well, besides the offensive end, if I have a concern drafting a guy like that, it would be that he doesn't provide much else on, like from a statistic perspective. Mm-hmm. So he, you, you see the defensive stats with the steals and blocks, and he can hit threes and whatnot. But the rebounds yep. and the assists there, like he, I would, I would just for his athletic profile, I would like those numbers to be a little higher. Right, right, because um, you don't want to just just be standing there on on offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think two boards a game or three boards a game, whatever it may be, just is it's on the low end for a prospect like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, like the the combine, I think would be a really good showcase for him. Um, and I I would love him on my team. Like he's the kind of player I would want to draft if I have the opportunity at the end of the first or early second. Yeah, I think that the shooting uh, will we'll get there. I think that he, like the three and D comparison obviously gets you know just labeled to him. I think it can get there. He shoots around eighty percent from the line over his career. Yeah, you know the the shot looks good. The you know thirty two percent doesn't doesn't look good um this season but yeah i agree with you when you the comparison gets made between him and andre roberson just kind of tweener guys from from the same conference um who just can immediately make an an impact defensively even if they do nothing uh nothing else is that roberson in college at six seven so a little bit taller than dibel was rebounding really well i mean he was averaging double double uh whereas dibel isn't that that active on offense and you know maybe a, a different system um, that's less ISO heavy would, would feature that a little bit. Um, but still, I think, I think you're right that he's going to show, have to show that he can do something else other than stand in the corner and then play really good defense. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. He, I think he's maybe, it's funny. I think he's similar to Justin Holiday a bit. True. That same kind of mold came from the same school, but, um, yeah, that, that same kind of player. So yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, you know, never got Holiday in his zone to see him really. Holiday was kind of the the, the, tr- the true man to man situation, whereas Stiebel's doing a lot of his defense in space, which is still valuable, but he won't right. uh, get that much opportunity in the NBA. So yeah, it's it's um it's gonna be a fascinating case study for. I mean, if 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 all of a sudden he gets picked like twenty sixth or something like that, then that's gonna be I think a really interesting sign of how that team plan or whatever team gets him. Uh, needs a plan for it other than uh, you know he can eventually be our starting small forward like it's right. it's not quite like that with him um, yeah but yeah a guy I'm obviously pretty invested in uh, all right. right your last rose to the uh, to the moments of the year in the NBA up to this point <laughs> you know we we chatted very briefly about about this and you got my my mind racing and I think I know exactly where you're <laughs> going and I was like oh my god I can't believe I I left this out yeah but, man. Um, so I'll, I gotta throw it out. Uh, that, that D Rose 50 point performance on Halloween. insane. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. Like, honestly, there are a few moments that in sports where you just get, you just get goosebumps and they just last. And I swear to God, like I almost had a tear come to my eye. Yeah. It was insane. Um, so yeah, that, that has to be, that has to be my moment, especially cause I've been such a big fan of his, like his whole career yeah. all the way through like even high school and whatnot. Um, <laughs> yeah, we my, my one that YouTube highlights of, of a, oh my God, so many, I could, Rose, yeah. I could name the, the background music <laughs> yeah. to a lot of his highlight reels, but 
Um, I'm going to throw in my, my second one there because I, I kind of forgot about it, but, um, the one that I was originally going to go with was the, uh, Wade LeBron game. I thought that was, that was just a really cool game. And then the ending where Wade had a shot to, to, uh, win the game over LeBron, he obviously missed it and the Lakers ended up closing out, but they just happened to be right next to each other at the end of the game and they embraced. I thought that was a really cool moment. Um, so that, that was kind of my, that was what I was going to go with until, you know, you got my head on my ass and, uh, sparked, sparked that. <laughs> yeah. If nothing uh, else, memory. if nothing else for the, the rose for the rose thing. Um, figured, yeah, exactly. That you got to, would have come to your mind. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the Rose thing was awesome for reasons. A, just the, you know, what that guy's gone through and, and even you hear him talk now versus like, even what was it? Two years ago when he just like left in Cleveland, um, yeah. you know, like he, he has done a lot of, of maturing and has been through an incredible amount in, in what is actually a pretty short career, um, to this point. So yeah, to get that, but then also the fact that it came with like, with like the, oh, the, uh, Sorry if you can do that, but the the uh, other part about Terry Crows of like, yeah, he had he dribbled like five hundred times in the game or something like that. Um, yeah, just you know, of like, of course that's how Derrick Rose is going to get fifty. Like, what do you think he was right. going to, you know, just turn to Clay Thompson all of a sudden? Exactly, um, and they compared him that week. It was like Clay got it on fourteen dribbles or whatever. Right. So yeah. right. So yeah, that was that was awesome in that he got fifty exactly the way he would have gotten fifty if he was healthy back in the day. Definitely. Um, so that was sweet. Another one injury related. Uh, was just happened the other night when Karis Levert came back, got a standing O from you know Very cool. nine thousand people in Brooklyn, um, which is which is cool. But yeah, for for I remember when that injury happened, uh, us talking about how you know that looked real gnarly. Um, so to get him yeah. back in the same season um, is pretty cool. And then insane. I think the defining moment of this year and just it's from from you know I'm in the area is just this this Kyrie. The phone call to to LeBron four days after they lose to Orlando, um, are just a train wreck, and he basically says that he calls LeBron and has figured out leadership in four days, and it's just <laughs> it's like I do do you do you want to like do you want us to collect a, a a yearbook of all this stuff and just show it to you at the end of the year of of <laughs> how many times you've shown that you're not a leader but then have said that you are like it's yeah that part is is you know, we talk about the drama of this season. That that's kind of been the uh, the good uh, microcosm of all that. Oh yeah, completely. God, we could we could go on forever about that that sort of topic, but yeah, know. yeah. It's it, it just you know leadership being this one day skill. Um, everyone wants to say that they're a leader, but I don't think that uh, anyone who actually is has to think too hard about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so weird. It's so weird in Boston. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's a half dozen roses. I will, uh, I will let you go. This was great. Uh, we'll, we'll put this all together with Caleb's half dozen and uh, I will see you in a month in Vegas. And we'll be wearing tie dye and screaming at Bill Walton. Oh yeah. Love it, man. Can't wait. Yep. Thank you, man. We'll uh, take it easy. Of course you do the same. Peace. All right. Let's take a break. Listeners. If you're like me, you're washed up. You have one PBR and you're kind of hungover the next day. It's incredible. Sad, really. Uh, But you just can't hang like you used to. And when you do try and hang, your next day is totally shot. Well, it would be if you didn't drink a Loco cold brew the morning after. Loco is made with the two things you need the most after tying one on. Coconut water for replenishing electrolytes and cold brew coffee for the caffeine. 
That's it, as there are no other added ingredients in Loco. One 12-ounce can has as much potassium as a banana and more than two cups of coffee worth of caffeine to get your day going. Loco has a unique flavor that I love and can salvage any hungover Sunday. Thirsty? Search for Loco Coffee on Amazon, or you can head to drinklococoffee.com and sign up for their newsletter to get 20% off your first order. One more time, that's drinklococoffee.com. Now, back to the show. All right, joining me live from the parking lot of a Coles in Covington uh, is a dedicated man by the name of Caleb Clearman. Caleb, how are you other than cold? I'm doing good, man. Surviving a snowpocalypse of the Puget Sound area. Yeah, I saw Simply Seattle was handing out uh, free so- snowpocalypse survivor shirts. And I was like, what I is could. This? Simply Seattle, they do like. I don't know. They do all the. It's it's like a big Sonic store kind of, but they do other Seattle stuff. Um, yeah. So if you want one of those, you've earned it. <laughs> I have. I feel like I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's nuts over there. This NBA season has kind of been nuts. Uh, I was talking to Jordan yesterday. It's it's a very uh, divisive season. Some hate it, some love it. Where do you stand on this season? Are you in love with it? Or are you uh, you done? Uh, I'm. I'm impartial. It seems like this first part of the season has really blown by. I can't believe it's an all-star game already. Um, maybe that was because like the NFL playoffs were kind of compelling this year, too. But yeah, I feel like that's how it kind of goes, is your weeks your weeks feel shorter because there's more sports in them. And so when it's just basketball, it kind of like actually hits you all at once. Yeah, I've, I've really kind of been locked in these last few weeks. So I've, I've been enjoying enjoying it uh the eastern conference we'll talk about later has been it's just crazy yeah yeah last night the celtics sixers was was like give me seven of that inject that into my veins that was such a good game uh yeah, it's was, such a such a prelude of what's to come i was flipping between that and the uh i don't know if you saw any of the game, but that was i saw that this morning and yeah that was uh <laughs> that was unfortunate that was i just just some of that stuff with louisville uh, you know, way off topic here, but some of that stuff with Louisville is just just cursed. And you could tell Louisville heard exactly. I don't know who which of the Duke guys said it, but we wear black on the road because it's their funeral. Louisville comes out in black, <laughs> and then yeah. just gets buried. Yeah, yeah, had like ten straight turnovers. Oh God, yeah, they must be sick. Good team though. Um, all right, so yeah, I'm I'm with you on this season. I think that it's it was it was kind of just flowing along, but I really like how many good to great teams there are like pretty b plus type teams obviously not quite at the warriors level but you know between i feel like last year was just the rockets and warriors and now this year you have the warriors on their own plane but you also have the bucks raptors sixers celtics uh and the and the you know your opinion on the rockets still uh but they're with the thunder and nuggets i just feel like there's more teams that are really good teams yeah it it feels like if you took the Warriors like out of the picture like you could oh yeah sleep, like any of 10 teams could win the title this year. yeah exactly which is exactly what type of league Adam Silver would like uh but just has yeah. to to bust up that Warriors situation which uh could very well happen but we just gotta endure it for one more year um let's uh let's let's continue this we handed out six roses with Jordan yesterday you can hear that uh, as the pod comes out tomorrow talking to you Caleb and then we'll put it all together uh who who's your playoff team that deserves a rose? Um, we were just we you just kind of mentioned it. Um, 
this is kind of a cop out answer, but since Boogie has been in, hmm. I I've just been absolutely amazed by the Warriors. It's it was like, yeah, I don't think they have another level, and then Boogie came in, and it seems like he's pretty much the same guy as he's been in the past. And it's just like, yeah, no one, no one is beating this team. I mean, they're ten and one with him in the lineup. Uh, that one loss was that awesome game against the the Sixers where Embiid and Simmons were both out of control. Mm-hmm. Steph had like 10, 10 threes that game. Um, but yeah, it just seems like they're it's it's a really really special thing to be able to watch a basketball team that's that good. Yeah, the level of competence they can put on a floor all at once is is pretty wild. I watched the first couple minutes of uh, of that game against Utah last night up until when Quinn Snyder just immediately took a timeout because it was like 6-2 or something, but just it was like yeah. two passes from the inbounds and Durant hit a jumper and it's just like they are so devastating and they get on those rolls especially in Oakland where it's just like just a, an avalanche coming at you. Um, especially with Boogie and and the way they've used Boogie where he's immediately just in, like he's not even, you know, hanging, yeah. playing with Alfonso McKinney or anything. It's like, no, you, he's, he's with the big dogs. So yeah, the, the whole slow integration, I remember us talking with Jordan about how, you know, he might be the, the, the chaos factor that blows them up, but he's been anything but. Yeah. And I think an underrated thing with him is, you know, the, the rim protection is obviously kind of jumps out at you, but what he allows them to do offensively with not only passing, but the way he sets screens for those guys. Yeah. He just beats the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got some Gortat uh, screening ability in him just, just to envelop yeah, people. Like his, I think at like his second or third game back, he fouled out and played like 10 minutes, and I think like four of them were illegal screens. And it doesn't even matter. Like the fact that he can give them yeah. 10 minutes is, is all that matters. Uh, yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, that team's not fair. Um, but it, w- it will be fun to see these kind of upstart teams go at them because I feel like they'll get more of a challenge at every level. Um, even, I don't know, like, just quick side here. Warriors versus any of those four teams we mentioned out East versus last year's finals. Is it is it a better match? Yeah, prob- probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you, though, of... Of the teams in the Western Conference, who do you think is the best matchup for that? That's a great segue because I'm handing my playoff team rose to Oklahoma City, and I All hate right. it. I hate it, but Nick Hollison rule, right? You can you can treat them like a normal team now. They're they're no longer the former Sonics. Uh, I love their. I love when NBA teams have a a style to how they're composed, similar to the Nets. Um, but they built their team kind of like a college team would, like West Virginia would, if they were, you know, recruiting a specific type of guy, very long, athletic. Um, Terrence Ferguson and Jeremy Grant, those two guys have just been huge for them. Grant especially, just see, Grant was one of those. Ferguson, is Go. Terrence Ferguson the most athletic guy ever? He's nuts. He's nuts. Both of them yeah. are. Uh, yeah, the the spring factor on both of those guys is just so so helpful and so. Just I don't know though that that starting lineup, Westbrook, George, Grant, Ferguson, Adams, that's damn good. Especially if Ferguson is hitting open shots, um, and I think that's that's what could give Golden State fits. And that's a that's a situation I could see where it's like forty three thirty one at the end of the first quarter because Oklahoma City just blitzed them. But it's just the rest of the game that I feel like Golden State's got them. Yeah, uh, yeah, I kind of have them as my. Uh... 
second team for my favorite playoff team. It just seems like they're going to need one more score. But, I mean, you, you know what you're going to get from Westbrook, and Paul George has been unbelievable this year. Um, and, and Adams does cause problems for the Warriors. He has in the past. We'll see how, you know, they throw cousins at him or how that plays out. But it seems like they need one more guy. They don't really have that guy that can give you, like, 25 on a random night Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and that 25 source is usually Westbrook, but, uh, you know, it's going to take him 30 shots to get there, the way this season's yeah. going for him. More on that later. But I think that my last point in the Thunder is that Paul George is a demonstrably bigger asshole than Kevin Durant is, and I think that that is a good thing for how that team works. I feel like Durant was a little too comfortable with letting Westbrook take the wheel, and George is totally fine ignoring that possibility and saying this is my this is my team offensively in terms of scoring and I'm just going to handle it. Yeah, I mean these last 10 games for him have been crazy. Unreal. He killed Portland the other night. But yeah, I, I think you're right. He seems like yeah, I'm the best player on this team. Like I'm the offense is going to go through me. Mm-hmm. And maybe part of that is because Westbrook's shooting has been god awful this year, but yeah, it's it seems like everyone on the Thunder knows for sure for sure to uh to a next to your next rose here uh you're handing a rose to a non-all-star player who you have you've fallen smitten with uh mine my non-all-star rose is gonna stay out west with deer and fox Ooh, i like it yeah he the the kings i wrote this down i i don't even know if it's like surprising at at this point or if they're just like a good basketball team now but it seems like Fox has kind of been the engine that drives that team. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of revolves around how he's playing and the level he's playing at. Night in and night out, his intensity is unbelievable. He just seems like the leader that the Kings have needed for the last like, 20 years. Remember this, uh, I think it was this draft when no one was working out for them? Like no no prospect would work out for the Kings? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still understand that. It's still Sacramento and, and you know, they're they're an eight seed and they're kind of fun. But it is funny how, like, I remember talking about them this offseason. It's just like the level of misery and, you know, just cloud hanging over them. And De'Aaron Fox has just cut right through that with his play and, and, like you said, with the energy. Remember when he got drafted and it was just like, whoa, this guy's excited to go play with the Kings. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that is carried through, which is which is really cool. And I love I love getting Barnes. I think he can be a, a big help to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly shows them that this is a real deal, and that you know, they're, yes, they're eighth, and they're playing above the Clippers and Lakers, who, for all intents and purposes, uh, should probably be in that spot. Um, but it shows to them that you know this is a real pro that can that can kind of help them uh, hang on to this. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Thirty games left. I don't know if they can. I just feel like LeBron's going to will that. But either way, yeah, I feel I like mean, they've made big strides. I think they're tied with the the Clippers right now, but it does seem like the Clippers kind of mailed in their season last week. With yeah, but also kind of didn't. It, it, it seems like it's between them and the Lakers for that last spot. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many games they have left. I should look that up between those two. Those are appointment viewing. Uh, mine was uh, was Spicy P, Pascal Siakam for, uh, for the Raptors. Watched a lot of Raptors this year uh, due to uh, the coast that I live on. Um, yeah. but he, I feel like, I feel like, okay, so JJ Barea 
if if you're a pro basketball player and JJ Barea hits a shot on you, like you're you're just you're gonna be pissed because and it's gonna make you play differently just because of how like this this guy does not belong on a court. You would think Pascal Siakam obviously looks the part, six eight, very athletic and all that, but in terms of sheer basketball skill, is very clunky. And so I feel like when he hits shots and just plays with the effort he does. I feel like he just surprises people at this point for, for you know, NBA players aren't supposed to play that hard all the time. Um, and that's kind of his his distinguishing characteristic. He's got a little bit of talent on, on a lot of levels, but, uh, you know, just to see a guy who's that refreshingly uh, energetic all the time is, is awesome. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's only played basketball for a handful of years, so he can, I mean, he's only going to get better these next few years. He's still young. Yeah. Um, in a good situation. He was getting a little all-star buzz there, but didn't didn't end up making it. Yeah, I think he probably should have ended up in that, but I think that's okay. It's he he still has more of his game to fill out, especially shooting. Uh, yeah. But but if you haven't listened to it, do you hear his interview with Zach Lowe? I have not. Oh, I would highly recommend it. It was so good. He, he immediately started talking about his, his nickname, Spicy P, but had to confess that he doesn't even like spicy food. And he's just <laughs> just a very, very honest, um, good, humble dude who uh, has, has been through a lot to get to the point that he is. So, yeah, it's uh, Spicy P, Pascal Siakam, you deserve my rose. I also think that if Toronto has a shot down the road, and I would love to see – that Toronto team as constructed um, match up with Golden State because I, I want to see how they would how they would even attack that. And I feel like Siakam would be a big part of their plans uh, to guard Durant, especially so they can have have Kawhi guard uh, guard Steph, actually. So, yeah, it'd be it would be fun uh, to, to see that happen. Yeah, I, I think matchup wise, they they have they definitely have dudes they can throw at. At the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just worry about the scoring with them. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's where a lot of teams will fall short against Golden State is yeah. is in that department. Uh, all right. To to the storyline category. What what NBA storyline uh, deserves your rose? Uh, I have I have two for this. Um, but my my main one I would say is the top of the Eastern Conference, especially after all the, the trades that the contenders made. Yep. Yep, that was mine yeah. too. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, the Raptors went out and got a guy. The Bucks went out and got a guy. The, the Sixers went out and got a guy. The Celtics seemed like they just got more confused. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the Gasol going to the Raptors, that one to me is kind of the weirdest trade out of the those three. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like they gave up a lot for a guy that I'm not really sure what he is at this point of his career. Um, he can definitely help them offensively, uh, but it just seems like he hasn't been able to move for most of the season on defense. Definitely not the same guy on that end of the floor that he was in the prime of his career. Yeah, I feel like that one, that specific trade that that Toronto made was just a talent play of like this. The the fit isn't quite there, but we're going to up up our profile a little bit of the five guys we can have on the floor at any, any moment because we have Marcus all on our team. Um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely all in on, on this, this run and hoping that uh, a trip to the finals, however it ends up is enough to, to sway Kawhi. Uh, because you know, the, if, if he leaves yeah, I mean, the rest of the situation isn't too good. 
yeah, I mean, they kind of have to go for it. Who knows what Hawaii's going to do at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of those those teams that you mentioned, uh, Boston, Philly, Toronto, and, and Milwaukee, all of them have have key off seasons that I that might be swayed by how well these teams perform in the in the Eastern Conference playoffs. If Philly were to get bounced in the second round with Jimmy and Tobias Harris, now does that cause you to reevaluate your plan of having all four of those guys, or is that even your plan right now? Uh, you know, Milwaukee with, with Middleton coming up, with Bledsoe coming up, Brook Lopez coming up, uh, Brogdon's a re- restricted free agent. They have a ton of decisions. Um, you know, obviously Boston's got the whole Kyrie thing. So there's a lot on the line that I feel like, uh, how well a team plays might convince some of those players that this is the long term situation for them. Yeah. It, and it seems like it's, you know, make the finals or bust for all of those teams. Sure. Yeah, I was gonna ask you your your thoughts on the uh, the Harris trade for the Sixers. We haven't really talked about that. It's interesting. Uh, I feel like it gives them insurance in case they don't want to bring Jimmy back. If it work, like I said, if it works out really well, they go to the finals. Maybe push the Warriors to 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 six games. You know, even further. Then you have a template and say, okay, let's let's run this back. We have something here. Uh, but if it doesn't, then you can kind of go in or out and say, okay, Tobias Harris just didn't work, right? He's overqualified as a fourth man. Jimmy Butler stepped up big. He proved himself in the playoffs, uh, but Tobias wasn't our guy. You can kind of level up and say, all right, we're going to keep Jimmy, uh, or, but, but let Tobias move on. I don't think that's going to happen in that case. I think it would actually be the inverse of let's, let's dump uh, yeah, Jimmy. I agree. Because they gave up a lot to get Tobias Harris, including a guy I talked about with Jordan yesterday. Just giving up Landry Shamit was, you know, that's that's a guy who could have been your cheap Redick next year. I mean, J- JJ is is an expensive shooter, a very good one, but I think Landry was ready to go in that role uh, with it within a year or two. So yeah, it's it is interesting, and they kind of push the chips in. I w- it would have made a lot more sense if they hadn't. Like, let me ask you this: that Philly team. Would you rather have it as it is right now or minus Jimmy but plus Dario and Covington? With Harris still? Yes. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather have Dario and Covington with Harris. I think so too. I think you'd be more flexible and have a – your depth problems wouldn't be as glaring as they are now. Yeah, that's the other thing. J.J. Redick became super valuable to them just because – they have like three guards. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Now, now he's playing thirty-five minutes a night. Yeah, it does seem like they're in the boat that they're gonna roll those five guys out there and just say, "Hey, this is the best five we can have." Mm-hmm. We're gonna try to win with these five guys. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's an interesting one, and I feel like I don't know. I just you know Tobias Harris was gonna be a free agent anyways. Couldn't you have kept? Kept Landry Shamet and kept all those assets they used to go get Harris and just signed him in the offseason if that was a, a guy that you wanted. Um, clearly, they're yeah. you know they're mo- they're motivated to get it done this year, especially because they went out and got Butler. But uh, it is a little strange. Yeah, they gave up a, a lot to get the two guys. They basically gave up all of their assets to get Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, they, they are in do or die. But, you know, as you saw last night, if they still can't get over the hurdle against Boston undermanned, 
that's that is not a good sign for for how those pieces are going to look going forward. Um, another storyline I had was the the overall idea of player power, and I feel like it's just it's gotten to a point this year uh, that is not good. <laughs> we had the you know the the Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron offseason kind of brought in this. Okay, guys can now go wherever they want. They can they can form these teams, but it was still a natural process of free agency. Now, I mean, the the idea of a contract is almost null and void. If if you have Anthony Davis a year and a half left on his contract, able to dictate where he wants to go, uh, you know, the, even the sheer fact that Giannis is able to be talked about as a guy that might move in two and a half years is just weird. It's it's so not focused on just the here and now of what's my obligation as a basketball player. That yeah, all all of what you said is just true, but. At the same time, that all totally backfired in Anthony Davis' face. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So it, I, I, still, I still feel like, and maybe that's just because of the situation the Pelicans are in with ownership that is new to this, and you know it's kind of up in the air about where they're going to be moving forward. And it was like, well, let's not trade this guy because we're not even sure the team's going to be here in a few years, but... It, it seems like he shot himself in the foot by doing that. Yeah, and I, th- I feel like, you know, all of this looks like it comes down to a head of how did New Orleans handle this trade deadline? Did they do the right thing there? Uh, New Orleans made plenty of missteps on the way to this point. Um, you know, to, you know, the Omar Sheik contracts, you know, just the, just the little things that led to this. It wasn't some, you know, week-long standoff with Anthony Davis that decided the fate of their franchise. It was It was how they didn't support him. Uh, as a young player that they knew was going to be a generational talent. You know, if you get a guy like Davis, this is what happened with Cleveland LeBron. LeBron if you get a guy like that, you need talent to, along on his timeline to grow with him, to convince him to stay when they're both, when they're both, you know, star players. Um, that never happened. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of how, how that situation ended up. But yeah, I just, I, I worry, you know, especially with the Kyrie stuff too, that um, this, this whole thing of, I can just, dictate where I want to go and that's going to happen um, mentality. I feel like it's just, it, it really makes the whole, I mean, talk about loyalty and you know, like, it, I don't know. It's just a weird atmosphere for between players and teams now um, of how team teams do things with it from a business perspective and players do things from a, you know, me perspective. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. There's the business side of it. There's just so much money now too, that, you know, they put in that super max to try to get guys like Davis to stay in You know, if I can go make $150 million plus somewhere else and lose out on $30, 40000000 like, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, fans hate or, or love when players are loyal, um, but if loyal – but they also don't like when players are taking the money um, or just, you know, yeah. just want to get paid – but in this case, they're doing they they're neither right. They're not loyal. But they don't want to stay to the team that drafted them, um, and they also don't want the the money that comes with that. So yeah, it puts it's it's a really weird new territory, and so it'll be interesting to see how the NBA responds um, because it's obviously not the the type of thing that they want uh, to have where where you know a player can sign a contract and that doesn't really mean a whole lot, as we saw with a bunch of different guys. Yeah, um, and then one more one more quick thing for storyline that I had of my honorable mention was the Tampa Cruz. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good really one. something special. We have a few teams that are 
really, really bad and are just going all in for that. Yeah, it's it's gonna you know that that new lottery odds uh, in conjunction with with this particular draft is really funny because those lottery odds are designed to you know to make it even so that the top three teams uh, are all uh, are on an even playing field for for when that uh, when that lottery happens. But it, just this particular draft where it's just a one and then kind of a lot of guys you can pick at two and and three, uh, it's just really funny that it ended ended up matching like this but yeah new york phoenix and cleveland all are sitting pretty but chicago trying desperately to get their way into that top three uh and just poor atlanta like i feel like atlanta uh like isn't even bad enough like they're they're pretty bad but like this is they're they're way ahead of schedule they didn't know they had to be this bad i also don't think phoenix planned to be this bad yeah probably not but yeah, like you were saying about about this draft, I feel like if you're at number three though, and like RJ Barrett falls to you, you're way happier with that than than a previous draft. Yeah, it would just come with the, that feeling of you're at three and you you feel gutted because you uh, you could have been at one. Um, so I'd almost rather be out of that discussion and be like four or five and just kind of sift through at that point. But um, yeah, it is it is a funny funny alignment for for the tankathon as you mentioned uh to our fourth rows here your favorite conspiracy theory that's out there in the in the ether so i was um like i i was convinced this wasn't a, a conspiracy theory i i thought it was just like a fact until last week when he popped back up uh was that the lakers and or lebron were paying the bar ball not Yes, this is mine. <laughs> he, had, he had just gone completely dark, <clears throat> and and especially with all the trade rumors, rumors with with Lonzo and all that stuff, it's like, whoa, are we are we gonna hear from this guy? He finally popped back up. I don't know if that was a breach of his contract with LeBron or not, but uh, it's been it's been kind of funny to watch. Yeah. So my my theory on that was that Lavar got a sense that, uh. Like, well, LeVar, for all intents and purposes, willed his son to be a Laker, and it happened. And I feel like he has this this knowledge that in order for my son to be important and for, therefore, me to be important, my son has to remain a Laker. And he got word that this, you know, Lonzo might end up in Phoenix or in New Orleans or somewhere else and just had to go on, on TV and remind people how much it sucks to have LeVar Ball when you don't have LeBron James to silence him. Um, and just 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 did that little little wink in the camera, says this is what it's gonna be like if I'm if I'm in your city. Uh and uh and I think it worked. You can't say yeah. it didn't. Yeah. I think it did too. <laughs> I had uh I had one that I actually found on on Reddit, because uh, I was just looking for like deeper deep web conspiracy theories. This one is nuts. Uh, <laughs> Derek Rose's, this is from uh, Hauser343 on Reddit. Derek, Derek Rose's love for Skittles resulted in severe acne, which got him prescribed Accutane, which led to ligament damage and derailed his career. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in on that. <laughs> it's another one. Like, who, who could say it's wrong? Like, it's, you know, <laughs> can't disprove that. Uh, 
Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, the the other one that I uh, that I liked was uh, LeBron sent Kyrie to Boston to then Boston mm. to trade for Anthony Davis, and then all three of them would end up on the Lakers. I like that. Yeah, that would be that would just be the greatest grin on LeBron's face in that press conference afterwards if that happened. It was just like, yep, <laughs> it, 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 I made this happen. Yeah. Uh, all right. What was your favorite trade that uh, that that went down? So there were a few. There were a few big ones. Quite a few. It, it seemed like this trade deadline was pretty exciting. Um, but my my favorite one was the Porzingis trade. That was mine as well. Yeah, I think the Mavs. That's an absolute home run for the Mavs. If you compare. Doncic and him together for, I mean, who knows if he's going to resign there, but if you can pair those guys together, that is good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that twice in an eight-month span, Dallas said there is a generational talent available to us and a trade that we are we are comfortable making to go get that player. Let's go do it. And then we'll, we'll figure out the rest later. And, and now they have uh, a, a 20-year-old Luka Doncic and a 22 or 23 year old Chris has Porzingis uh, and the rest of their roster who cares because they have a ton of money and they have those two Doncic is unbelievable <laughs> yeah man yeah he he is an offense he's an offense unto himself and I think that's the best part is that just he can he can activate and hit any pass to anywhere on the floor um, in kind of the same way Harden can of just hard, you know, Harden is the, the center of the universe for Houston. I feel like Dallas could, could create a team around Luca and Luca's so much cheaper than Harden, uh, yeah. to, to really make something within the next couple of years. I was thinking about this the other day. Is he the best rookie ever? <sighs> hmm. LeBron was pretty good. LeBron was really good. The team was like really bad. Huh. Probably Magic, right? Magic or Bird when they came in and were immediately like, didn't Magic win the finals as a rookie? I think he did. Yeah, I mean, didn't they also have three? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, and, you know, much different league. But yeah, he's he's up there. Like, the fact that you can have that conversation is just miserable for Atlanta. Yeah. And Sacramento. I mean, <laughs> And Trey Young's okay, but I don't. He's never going to be nearly as good as that. Phoenix should have taken him, right? Yeah, I, I mean, we had that conversation. I was all in. Yeah, it is. It, you can like you can easily play him and Booker together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so weird it, because they had the Slovenian national team coach, and exactly that's why <laughs> I, I like literally thought they signed him to draft Dante. Yeah, I remember. I remember they like put the the asterisk or like not not the asterisk the um the accents on their Twitter handle to in, in like to make it look like it's the Phoenix Suns name was Slovenian. And I was like, all right, they're gonna take Doncic, but yeah, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. And it, like if like I I can't pretend to be like yeah I knew Luca was gonna be this good. I had a, I had a pretty good sense that he was gonna be all right. Um, but if the Slovenian national team coach 
didn't know that Doncic was going to be this good is is uh, that's concerning. Yeah, I mean, they won Euro basket. I don't know how he would have thought. Yeah, it was like seventeen when that happened too. It's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's going to be weird, and and uh, the immediate revisionist history is so so powerful for for that trade. Um, yeah, because I mean, two. I mean, Atlanta must have thought, okay, we're going to have two top five picks next year. We're going to have our own, and Dallas is going to suck too. And you know they'll they'll end up in the lottery twice with with that Dallas pick unless they can somehow make it to the playoffs. But you know if they end up picking Atlanta, if they end up picking fifth and twelfth, and you don't have Luka Doncic, I, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, the, the crazy thing to me about the Mavericks getting both of those guys was they're both like very reasonable trades. It wasn't like they gave up. A ton to go get Porzingis. Mm-hmm. It, it was really more the Knicks were just like, "Here, please take this guy." Yeah, it didn't feel like like the Knicks were com- where you know even saw a second offer, right? Like, I just feel like there would be a ton of teams that that you know was, are on tweet deck and see Woj's tweet that Porzingis is a, a maverick, and they're like, "Are you kidding me? We we could beat that." Yeah, and if. And if he's healthy, those two future picks that the Knicks are getting, like neither one of those are going to be that great. No, yeah, it's like a twenty. It's twenty twenty one first. Um, yeah, so I mean, if if Dallas is going to probably be a fifty win team or better by then, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, both those guys stay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's all about this offseason with with Dallas and how they spend money and how they are. I think if they sign a bunch of short contracts and because I don't think they're going to get the guy, but if they just stay a little, a little bit flexible um, to kind of position themselves to be pretty good, but wait for the big thing. um, I think that they're going to, they're going to eventually cash in and have something real nice. But I mean, if nothing else you have, you have to, I don't know, by, by next year, is it inconceivable that Porzingis and Doncic are two top 15 players in the league? No, and yeah. I, I mean the big the big question mark is Porzingis staying healthy. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, I I'd, I'd rather take that risk than be the Knicks and have cap space <laughs> for two guys that probably aren't going to go there. Yeah, yeah, that's probably your your other big storyline to watch is is uh how how things look on on July first because it it could be weird. I mean, yeah. Kemba, Kemba and Eric Bledsoe in New York. Yeah, I mean, the most mixed thing ever would be to give them that September and like Tobias Harris. That would be Jimmy Butler. I think that'd be the the funniest one. Yeah, because he he would blow that thing up. He would kill James yeah. Dolan. Yeah. <laughs> he would just... figure out. He would figure out a way to take over Madison Square Garden <laughs> and then burn it to the ground. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so we'll see a lot of, a lot of fun stuff, uh, down the road, which is kind of counter what my point was before about how that's not a good thing for the league. But, um, I do feel like basketball wise, like that, that Dallas situation is just going to be so fun to watch, um, with, with those two guys, especially just, I mean, not for nothing, like those, those, that Euro centric team won for them and has won in the past. And I feel like they've, they've got the, the makings of that DNA going forward. To the last uh, category here, a stat that you're going to give a rose to. Uh, 
Um, again, this is kind of a, a cop-out answer, but we made it 40 minutes without talking about it, which is pretty amazing, is the James Harden first point. Yes. I've never seen anything like that. And, and there's really no sign of it stopping. No. No, it, and until until I even if one Capella's back, like this team has figured, like this is how this team wins. Is Harden does it all? He averaged forty three points for the month of January. <laughs> That's and a like, full month. And didn't shoot that well. Like he yeah. could have averaged forty six, forty seven. Like he was below his three point average for the year in the month of January, and averaged forty three points. I feel like the unassisted streak was a li- was wilder because it. I mean, you just think basketball wise, like it's not it's not hard to get someone in us or like to assist to someone. Like you hit them on a cut. If you're an NBA player, you hit them on a cut. Uh, you hit them, you know, in a fast break opportunity. Uh, you know, you hit ahead or you or kick. Here, or here's one. How about an out of bounds play? <laughs> yeah, a catch and shoot. It's yeah. the fact that that didn't happen for as for I don't even know what the number was, but it was Wasn't out it of control. Three games? Yeah, it was out of control that he he was just scoring without any help basically, other than other than a pick. I mean, I guess screens are technically assists or whatever, but uh, yeah, it, that was that was wilder to me. Like it, like if you had told me before the season that Harden is you know scoring a ton, I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. But just how does that happen in a in a forty eight minute basketball game that a guy doesn't get it pass before he shoots? Yeah, like even yeah, like we were saying, like even a dribble handoff or something like that. Right, right. Which is, I think that like, I mean, I I I can't imagine if you had any sort of ego playing with that, it it would be horrible. Like he needs guys like PJ Tucker and Kenneth Fareed who have very specialized carved out roles to play with otherwise it's just not gonna work you would lose your mind yeah yeah it seems like they like they were they're obviously trying to be competitive but at the same time Daryl Morey was like sitting in the office and then like how crazy can we make this hard <laughs> yeah well well I mean when you looked at what they had and how much money they had to give out to him Paul and Capella I mean that roster was just gutted um and so they had they had how many G League guys can we play with James Harden at the same time? Yeah, yeah, and they, they did it. They're right there. Um, all right, to to my stat, this this one I was thinking about this today because obviously the Thunder are playing at a at a clip that um, I think a lot of people are excited about and at a level that um, that that is that is very very high functioning for them. And Russell Westbrook has a streak of ten or eleven straight triple doubles, um, and normally that whole triple double chasing has been problematic for for him and has been a you know a thing that people point to as you know he's he's just going for that it doesn't actually help winning so i i th- i looked at this westbrook has had 126 triple doubles in his career which is nuts right that that in a, in itself is is crazy but i i broke them down into different types of triple doubles based off of how many field goal attempts he has this is this is the dedication we need to the podcast Thank you, thank you, and and the the results were were shocking. So when first of all, in a, that in would a, have been the perfect time for our Denny's ad. <laughs> yeah, there is an ad in the middle of this. Uh, but Westbrook uh, is sh- winning eighty one percent of his games in triple doubles. 
when he shoots 27 or more times in a triple double, the Thunder are 12 and 8, 60%. So not not I mean that's a that's a good team but not a great team. When it goes down to between 23 and 26 shots, they're now 13 and 7, right? So doing a little bit better. When he shoots between 21 and 23 times, 18 and 6. Okay, so now that's a 75% winning percentage. That's a, that's a very good team. When that number goes to 19 to 21 field goal attempts per game, now it goes up to 15 and 3, so an 83% clip of, of winning. And then when Russell Westbrook has a triple-double and shoots less than 18 times in a game, the Thunder are 44 and 0. Never lost. Why are, did the Thunder have a stats department? <laughs> I found that out in te- that's why I we were supposed to start at seven twenty and we started at seven thirty because I looked that up in that time. That's that's remarkable. Yeah. Six, How has no one ever pointed that out to him six, or Billy Donovan? Six and zero this season when they have when that has happened, but forty four and zero and in the playoffs it's not the exact same. He's only had eight career triple doubles. Uh, but they're five and zero. Basically, the three times he shot the most in a triple double, they've lost. The five times that he shot the least in those eight games, uh, they've won. Uh, so go get your triple double, Russ, but don't shoot. And <laughs> I I think that that type of Thunder team is the most dangerous type of Thunder team. Oh, definitely. definitely. So yeah, I was I was I was like expecting something like that, but forty four and zero, that's wild. Yeah, that's remarkable. Yeah. So, yeah, it, 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 it will be interesting because we've seen it with uh, with Westbrook teams in the past where it gets to the playoffs and he just loses his mind. And it, it becomes about how, you know, how much of this team can I can I shoulder? And like we said earlier, if Paul George doesn't let him, right, I'm going to shoot. Uh, you do all the other stuff. And I'll also do other stuff. But, yeah, I mean, that that type of Thunder team gives me hope that, that maybe the Warriors could be beat. Yeah, and if if I was a Thunder fan, fan, especially this year, I would be terrified about him. His shooting numbers are just so bad. So bad. So bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's what, 22% from from three? Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me quick look this up just because it, it is that jarring. It's uh, a free purpose way down this year, too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's shooting 39, 39.8 from the floor, 27 from three, uh, 815 from the line. So not bad, but, um, yeah, just, just, oh, I'm looking at his rookie year. What am I doing? 650 from, uh, from the line, 24% from three, four. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Four and a half attempts per game from three shooting that poorly. It's just nuts. How does that happen? Patrick Patterson being on the floor. I, I just, yeah, it's a little strange. So, yeah, man, 44 0. I was uh, I was a little shocked to see that. Yeah, should, maybe you should, you, should should I, just, you should just tweet that at the Thunder, but I don't know if they have a stat part. At Sam Presti. So. Yeah, yeah, until they respond. <laughs> yeah, just every day. I just want to remind you. Especially if it keeps going, because if, if this just continues to happen and build like this, then there's just. I don't know. It's a ton of evidence. Yeah, and it's not like that's a small sample size. Either. 
No, it's not like oh they're 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 nine and one, you know over. It's half a season. Yeah, yeah. God, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not applying for a GM job per se, but you know I, I got a good nugget here. Yeah. Something yeah. Hang your hat on. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, all right, that's uh, that's a dozen roses. You give out six. Jordan gave out the other six. I uh, appreciate you doing this. Um, what's, what's going on at Kohl's? You, you going to go in, check some sales or, or you out? Uh, probably, probably just going to sit here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those listening, Caleb is, is, uh, patiently waiting for his lovely fiance to, to finish work so he can drive her home through the snow. Yeah. What a guy. The, thing, oh. the things to do. Yeah. You don't even need roses at that point, man. You've, you've, you've done it. I've got four-wheel drive instead of eight. <laughs> Perfect. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. I'll talk to you later. Yep. Sounds good. That's it. That was a long one, but a lot of good NBA talk with Jordan and Caleb, as always. Thanks for listening. Buy some loco. Peace. Peace.